0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Not in a minute, we lie. We, we
0: live. I love the intro, man. That thing is smooth. I'm excited about this, guys. I got some big shoes to fill. I'm Walker Mail, your new host for the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked Hornets. You can also catch me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Of course, Doug, I'm sure you already know, you can follow him at Doug Branson NBA. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Locked Hornets. We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, NFL, MLB, and Fantasy Sports. So I've come on the show a couple times already. I've seen all of your comments on Twitter, and you guys really put into perspective just how much you enjoy this thing. Doug and David did a great job building this. I don't think I've seen one negative word about the podcast at all. Not one negative thing. The feedback on the transition it has seen some hesitation, but I don't blame you. I get that. You guys get used to a good podcast. You don't want it to change. I get that wholeheartedly. But hopefully you guys will stay tuned and give us a chance. And I say this, and I say us, because your boys Doug and David are still going to be involved. David will still be coming on. We need his sneaker analysis weekly. We made we made sure that we have his sneaker analysis at least once a week, so we're not going to deprive you of the sneaker updates. He'll, be, he'll still be a big part of it. As well as Doug Branson, who will help mold this show as much as ever. Doug still has his fingerprints all over this thing, and you'll still hear him on the mic. And I'll I'll throw it to Doug. Doug, you have any idea how how much you're going to be on the mic? I have no idea. (laughs) It's it's going to be. We're we're putting it out there, right? We're we're being transparent. We're showing all of you guys that we're kind of learning about this as well. It, It doesn't shorten any of our excitement about this because I mean I know I'm thrilled to be on with Doug, who came to me and asked me to be a part of this. And that's kind of how I look at this. I'm not kind of going all Somali and pirate on you guys and saying I'm the captain now. (laughs) I'm going with that I want to be a part of this thing with Doug still being there, with Doug helping mold this show, and that be his clay, and David still be a real big part of it as far as the sneaker updates. But also we want his Hornets analysis too. That can come secondary, but we want the Hornets analysis as well. So we'll see. We'll just see how it all works. But again, I just think it's important to have – everyone still be involved, and I'm glad to be along for the ride right now. I'm really glad to be a part of Locked On, and it looks like you guys have done a really great job promoting it and, and, and building something and, and constructing something. So I, I know I've given you a lot of praise before, but I, I I mean it, man. I'm excited to be a part of it.
1: If you spend the first half of every show complimenting us, then
0: I <laughs> at least I will think you're doing a great job. Well, you know, I, I maybe, maybe we can move on from it at some point, but I at least need to get my feet wet a little bit here in the first week or so and give you guys some more praise. So I guess we'll move on a little bit. I'll reintroduce myself. So as I mentioned, I, I came on the show a couple of times and already mentioned who I am, but I'll introduce myself once again. I'm Walker Male, M-E-H-L, and I co-host The Morning Show for 7.30 The Game ESPN Charlotte. I co-host The Wake Up Call, as it's called. I host that with Bobby Rosinski and Molly Cotton. That show has been on the air for almost a year now, which is crazy, considering we started in July. And this, I did host Inside the Lines with Molly Cotton from 12 to 3 for a while. Then I moved up to the very early mornings where you're waking up at 4.30 and Quite the adaptation, but we've been doing that for almost a year. So crazy. Again, the wake-up call, that yeah, it's insane. Um, So, again, it's it's been a while now, and it doesn't feel like it, but it has been a while that I've been hosting the wake-up call. Again, that's on 730 The Game, ESPN Charlotte. And as I mentioned to you guys before, basketball has been a huge part of my life. I played all through high school. My entire family played in college. My grandfather, my father, my two brothers all played in college. It's important to our family. So it became a big part of who I was and how I grew up. And I'm originally from Indiana, of course. Uh, I know high school basketball runs that state. And I moved down here when I was really young, though. I was about three years old. So I grew up an hour north of Charlotte. And as soon as I was able to really comprehend Sports, watching it, really understanding rather than just doing something else while the game was on. As a little kid, as soon as I was able to comprehend, I was hooked. And I, I remember watching the Hornets. I remember developing a fanhood for them. I, I remember watching Baron Davis and David Wesley and Jamal Mashburn, and and those were the glory days to me for the Charlotte Hornets. That, that's who I grew up with. I know a lot of people. Grew up with Zoe and Larry Johnson, and, and rightfully, deservedly so, those guys get a ton of credit for really bringing probably the first golden era of Charlotte Hornets basketball. But I loved watching Baron Davis and, and all those guys, and I started to develop a fanhood. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? He was on that team.
1: Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before
0: they left for New Orleans. So it was kind of like a, a going away gift. I from think they
1: New gave Orleans. away like five things. They were really. i was about to say because an Elden
0: Campbell thing for you to remember them by, I feel I look, I love me some Elden Campbell, but is that is they, that the they guy? were just they were
1: clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night, they didn't have to take with them to
0: New Orleans. The best thing I have is a antique plate. I was going for some reason there was an <laughs> antique plate. Hold on. It was an antique plate of Alonzo morning. Okay, And so it was awesome. I immediately had to get it because it's random. It's great. It's it's just everything that's kind of random and you have to get it. But for some reason, it was in Louisville, Kentucky at an antique shop. And we just stopped. My brother is big into stopping at those places. I found something for me, at least.
1: But what that says is that the Hornets were really at one time they were beyond regional. At it, one point. Yeah, right. and now it, it, it is it is not that way.
0: No, it is not that way. And maybe some national news going on that we'll get into in just a second, but not necessarily that way right now. Looking at where the Hornets are right now, there's there's a lot of work to be done as we'll get into. But real quick, I'm going to mention Patreon. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put this whole thing together, you know, consider joining our Patreon community you know, for as little as $1 a month you can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Again, every single dollar goes into the show. Uh, We want to make sure we bring a good product, so we want to thank Patreon for that. Go to patreon.com slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. Get double entries into our contest and access to content before anyone else does. So, patreon.com slash L-O-H. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in Charlotte. And I mean that. And I appreciate what Patreon is able to do for that. As you were mentioning, Doug, at one point, the Hornets were kind of known, maybe nationally, maybe a little bit. And we're starting to get in the news here a little bit in Charlotte. So Adrian Wojnarowski, he dropped a bomb or perhaps a grenade, if you will, maybe not a bomb, but maybe a little tidbit of information that the Charlotte Hornets in their coaching search are going to interview a couple of guys, a few guys even. Uh, Dave Fisdale, who we've all mentioned before. Dave, Fizzy! Yep, Fisdale going to be a guy that is consideration for them. The Charlotte Hornets, uh, I don't know if they've met with him yet. I think this report came out on Friday, I believe. Adrian Wojnarowski reported that the Charlotte Hornets would be meeting with David Fisdale in the coming days. So who knows if that's actually happened yet. Also, Atore Messina, who we've talked about. He is an assistant for the Spurs, the number 1 assistant un- under Greg Popovich. And they didn't stop there under Greg Popovich's coaching tree as of now. They also are interviewing Imei Yudoka, who also played in the leagues for-, for quite a while. I think he was a six-year player in the NBA, played with the Spurs, and then eventually got that job with Greg Popovich. So he will interview for the Charlotte Hornets coaching vacancy this week as well. And I'm interested to see which guy they go for, obviously, or w- which guy starts to pick up some steam here in the next couple of days or so, we'll see what kind of or what kind of timetable they give on this. Uh, we mentioned a couple of these things before about what guy we think is going to be the best fit for Charlotte. I think Atori Messina makes all the sense in the world. I think with any of these guys, I think a lot of them make sense. You know, Ima Odoka probably is the younger one. He's the forty-year-old who is still one of the top candidates as far as a young guy goes one of the more budding prospects as a head coach if you will but seen a little bit more established and we've seen Fisdale, and that guy was a very respected assistant coach because you would see him all the time on the sideline with eric spolstra it's one of the more recognizable faces and as an assistant coach when he was hired for memphis so you've seen those guys and ime Odoka is just a little bit younger but i can't say i have a bad thing to say about any of them i can't say that i would have a problem with any of these guys coming to charlotte
1: no, I think that the, the, the organization is obviously looking for a variety of things, I think. I think when I look at these three names, Fisdale, Messina, and Udoka, I see the team still trying to decide if they, if they want to uh, find someone who is more suited to coach a veteran team making the playoffs, or do they find someone who is you know looking to uh, coach a group of young guys over the course of a, of a few years in, in the Brett Brown mold? And, uh, and work through a process a little bit.
0: Well, and you mentioned Brett Brown, and then you go under this Greg Popovich coaching tree. Man, it's impressive. Oh, you can, let's equate it to just the New England Patriots, right? Where everyone wants to go after the head coach's assistant coaches because, see, they learned under this guy. They were the apprentice of the best coach in the sport. So there has to be some kind of success. And it just doesn't work that way, really, with the Patriots when you look at some of that coach coaching tree. But you go to the Popovich coaching tree they've had a lot of success you can look at all sorts of guys and what they've been able to do you can go back to mike brown who was under greg popovich for a while and i not that mike brown is one of the best head coaches of all time but he had some success he had lebron sure but he's had some success in the nba of course you can go to budenholzer which i think you could argue might have had the best success over anybody just considering the roster that they had you could consider Basically with what he did at Atlanta when you had four All-Stars on that team and you were making the Eastern Conference Finals and given the heat, I don't know if it was necessarily a big run, but they were doing some really big damage in the regular season. And I think Boonholzer is a, is a fantastic coach. I think you can look to him for that. You can go back to a couple of other coaches under that coaching tree. You mentioned Brett Brown is a guy. Um, I mean, you can even go to Steve Kerr, who played for the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, there, there is a lot of positive association with Greg Popovich and his coaching tree and how well these guys have gone on to go in the NBA. And I think if Charlotte. They want to dip into that. Monty Williams, the guy as well. that That's one of the more respected names who is kind of a defensive-minded head coach but also has gotten a lot of respect. I think you can go to that tree... And you can pick out a guy just like what the Charlotte Hornets might be attempting to do here, unless they go with Dave Fisdale, And I think you would have to feel pretty good about
1: it. I think the one word that comes to mind for me when when you talk about all three of these guys and the the pedigree that that they've been under is discipline. You know, I mean, a Tory Messina has been overseas where and won championships overseas where. Yeah, it's all—it's all about discipline. It's all about an aggressive style of coaching, and and I think anyone under Greg Popovich is going to have to live by, you know, and coach by certain rules, and and there are there are all kinds of expectations for how players are supposed to play in San Antonio, and I think that goes for Miami as well, and, and I think it's encouraging that the Hornets are are looking at names uh, that uh, one ascribe to that discipline, but two are are sort of. Not necessarily like – they're not going back to the well of names that we've seen over and over, these recycled head coaches.
0: Oh, 100%. I, I think I think you would get a a pissed-off fan base if you started looking at for some of these guys. Like, what, what if you're the Knicks and you're looking at Mike Woodson again, right? Oh, like, my gosh. If you're trying to recycle guys – I mean, they fired him. I, I don't get it. The Knicks are – the Knicks are a headache and I feel bad for those fans. As as sometimes as much as the Hornets fans are suffering, sometimes I feel bad. Just as bad for the New York Knicks fans. But I, I completely agree with you. I mean, recycling names just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And what it does to get assistant coaches and newer names in the fold is it gives you hope, at least. Because he could be, we don't know, he could be the best thing since Greg Popovich, right? It it gives you that kind of hope. It's kind of what draft day brings for you. you know, maybe this guy comes in exactly what we all felt with Malik Monk coming in at 11. You know, Maybe he is the next double-digit first-round pick to really explode on the scene and help that small market team. I mentioned some of them on Friday. You can go back to guys like Giannis, who was still playing in the playoffs and one of the best players in the NBA. Double-digit pick in the first round. You know, Not a lottery pick. That's the kind of guys that take C.J. McCollum for the Portland Trailblazers. Paul George was 10. For the Indiana Pacers and was helping them to an Eastern Conference Finals, give the Miami Feet or Miami Heat fits in seven game series there. Oh, you at least have hope that a Malik Monk can be that guy. And so when you bring in somebody new, you don't have any track record to go off of. In the regular season at least, for these head coaches. David Fizdale is a little different, but you like what you saw from him as a head coach with the Grizzlies. This guy that made the playoffs, nobody had them even winning a game against the San Antonio Spurs last week or and last year. And here's Dave Fisdale giving us some of the best sound bites that we've ever heard in a press conference. Oh, and also winning some games. Dave Fisdale is, I think, respected in a lot of circles. And of course, you do have his pedigree as an assistant coach with the Miami Heat winning some titles. And from what we understand, developing some pretty nice relationships with those players for the Miami Heat. I don't know what went wrong with Mark Gasol. And Doug, I'll ask you this. Is that the first thing you address with Dave Fisdale? Is the relationship with the star player? Because we see it a decent amount. Teams will choose the star player. We have a little bit of a different situation here in Charlotte.
1: I think that's one thing you have to explore. I think you have to explore uh, how David Fisdale came in and changed the way that Memphis played. Were those changes implemented properly? Were those changes implemented too quickly? Because listen, whoever uh, takes over for the Hornets is going to have to take over somewhat of a veteran team this the hornets aren't going there's to be no, able to get no, I don't rid think of everyone
0: yeah, right there's there's a lot of guys with experience on this team
1: so so one of these guys is going to have to be able to prove that uh, not only can they helm whatever the future of this franchise is going to be but also can they come in and and make some changes to the roster that the Hornets have now and, and do that without alienating Kimball Walker, without alienating Dwight Howard. It's, it's
0: quite a task uh, in front of whoever they choose. No, it, it absolutely is. And I think Fisdale, and this is, a, this is a one case basis, right? This is not a guy who has a reputation for having bad relationships with players. This is not that guy. But at the same time, if you do decide to keep Kemba Walker, if that is in your future plans, and who knows if that's true, but if he is, then you would have to explore that. And that's that's the one thing if I'm looking, if I've got my magnifying glass and I'm looking at the flaws of Dave Fisdale, that's the one thing that I'm drawing. But it's not enough to scare me nearly enough to not like that head coaching decision if they were to make him the Hornets uh, head coach. That, that's not enough for me to dislike that at all. So that would be the one interesting thing. So, Doug, it also brings us to... What we discussed on Friday is our our three biggest storylines this offseason, the three biggest developments, and we talked about that. There's a lot of problems with this Hornets organization, but we settled on Mitch Kupchak's draft, we settled on the future of Kimba Walker, and whether you're going to rebuild or you're going to retool, and perhaps one of the bigger things that we didn't mention, surprisingly, was the head coaching change, but I think it starts with those three, because for me, the head coaching change is kind of on the outside. It's, it's a big storyline, don't get me wrong, but I think it's on the outside of those three because you're locked into this roster. You're locked in. And the one way you can get rid of some of these guys is, of course, one, trading Kimball Walker. You would be trading the one guy who blew up as a first-round pick for the Charlotte Bobcats Charlotte Hornets since they've been back. You're picking, you're picking the one guy that blew up. Oh, Gerald Wallace is fun mecca oak for all right fun little pick at the beginning but you're th- talking about kimba walker is the one guy that you can hone in on as we're talking about him as the best charlotte hornet player of all time considering longevity considering production and you might be talking about getting rid of him and you think about it that's something that the hornets haven't had a whole lot of you know, when you talk about the best players in organization in the organization's history what do you think of zoe larry johnson kimba walker does it stop there, probably? Maybe Baron Davis gets a mention, and but that's about it. And you know, Zoe played here for three years. Johnson played here for, I believe, five. But then he played for the New York Knicks for five years, and th- that's it. So if you're a Charlotte diehard fan, which a lot of people are, it'd be weird to see Kimba go, but at the same time, I would argue that's probably the only way you can significantly make a roster change because of everything that this payroll has tied up in. it.
1: Well, it it brings up an interesting question would it is it weirder that the hornets could be on the verge of letting go of Kimball walker one of their few draft successes or is it weirder that over Kimball walker's tenure he has been allowed to become the number 1 player on this hornets roster that they could not They could not find someone because, listen, Kimball Walker has has been amazing and he's he's improved significantly. But but a lot of the accolades that that he's uh, obtained uh, for the Hornets are because of longevity and doing it for several consecutive years. But he's not a transcendent talent. No, they have not been able to find that. and, And they have allowed him to become the number one player.
0: I don't think it matters in the minds of fans, though. Right? I mean, because you have the production there. We, we at least have something We have something tangible that was here, and I don't know if we care how we got it. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Like, Kemba Walker. Just at give least, it to me! Right. We, we need something that has reached that kind of level. You know, Alonzo Mourning, is, is that the best transcendent talent in the prime of his career, probably, with the Hornets? Is that Alonzo Mourning? And I don't think you can say transcendent, but you can say probably the best, dominant. right? I mean, who, is the most, of, who is I mean, the, the, the most the dominant? Alonzo's a Hall of Famer. Hall of famer. Yeah. Is there anybody else? Uh, Dwight Howard, you can we've had this argument before, right? Where who's the best Hornet of all time? Like who's the best player? It is Dwight Howard, maybe he's the best player to ever don a Charlotte Hornets jersey, but certainly not with his career here, right? I mean, he's and it's been long ago. I think that's probably Zoe. And I get what you're saying. It, it's it's Kimball Walker coming in and being allowed to develop and I, I don't know who that falls on most. I think you have to give a ton of credit to the player f- himself, of course. But a lot of people We'll put that on Steve Clifford. I know that was kind of a problem people had with Steve Clifford was player development, which just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, to be honest with you, because Kimba was a guy that came in and and developed quite a bit. And you have, of course, Jeremy Lamb, who has developed into a solid player his fourth go around. And so that's the kind of stuff that you have to look at with the next uh, head coach and the next roster movement and, and how much you can really dive into this roster and, and try to make better and perhaps I, I don't know Doug I mean maybe Kimba Walker doesn't become the best player like he was now if you get some more talent but I mean still you want some more talent on this team right I mean if you want right like that's what you're saying right like
1: well, I'm saying that they've spent several years trying to surround Kemba Walker with talent in order to take some pressure off of Kimba Walker when maybe these next few seasons they will be asking themselves what does life look like you know post Kemba Walker and and trying to acquire again trying to do what's necessary to acquire the transcendent talent that is allowing Philadelphia to do what they're doing in the playoffs
0: sure and and it becomes I mean yeah absolutely it comes to hitting on your draft picks and ultimately it's probably why Rich Cho isn't with the Charlotte Hornets anymore, right? I mean, it's because you're not getting your stars, and he's made some great trades, and I know you guys have discussed the management history of Rich Cho, but again, that's part of the reason that he's not here, is because the one draft pick you hit on was Kimba Walker, and you, you drafted Bismack Biyombo before him. You got it right the second time, which is great but you drafted Biombo before Campbell Walker. So, (laughs) again, you almost messed that one up as well, and that's part of the reason that he's gone. But he did some good trades, but you know this is something where you need to get some more talent here. So that leads into the next thing is Mitch Kupchak's draft, his very first one, which is one of the top three storylines that we discussed that you're going to be paying attention to this Hornets offseason. For me, I think I put the Kupchak draft third on this list, and, Doug, you had it first, if I'm not mistaken.
1: I, had... I think, that yeah, turning around the the draft history of the Charlotte Hornets, in my mind, is the most important thing in terms of the long-term development of this franchise. I don't think it really means anything for next season, but I do think that that hitting on a draft, not necessarily after one season, I'm not talking about picking a Donovan Mitchell and having him become the surprise rookie of the year. I'm talking about having one of these players, whether it's Monk or the next draft pick, uh go go bigger than role player
0: right well and how much time do you get to see that too because I know a lot of pay I know a lot of fans are not patient with this and I think because of the situation that they're in you're going to have to be patient with this with Malik Monk it's a guy that did not give you a whole lot early and perhaps maybe he did give you something Decent amount early, but then afterwards he was in Steve Clifford's doghouse on defense, and he just couldn't get out there. And Malik Monk gave you a little something at the end of this. So now, when you have Mitch Kupchak coming in and drafting his first player, you just hope that there can be a guy that gives you a little bit more promise than what you've seen out of guys' rookie season. You know, when's the last really good rookie you've had for this team? It's it's been a while. A guy that comes in and immediately contributes on a high level where you know, hey, you got something here. I think the jury's still out on Malik Monk. I'm not writing him off in any shape or form. But you still have a lot of doubt about that, whereas I don't know if, if there's been a rookie that you've seen where it kind of erases all the doubt or it kind of makes you feel on the better spot of the two sides of a rookie coming in than saying, you know, maybe this guy isn't that great. Maybe you do feel good about him coming into his rookie season. So that that's why I have it. I have it third again because I do think that If Mitch Kupchak comes in and and drafts the Donovan Mitchell or one of those guys that makes such a big impact with the double-digit pick then that's great but again I don't want to kill him for it his first season you know it has to be I think you have to give him some time within the first couple of seasons to try to get some talent and we'll see it's still an important thing I have third on my list there's a bunch of other stuff to have um, but I do think that it, it's, it's an important thing, and we'll see what Mitch Kupchak is able to do. And finally, it's, it's the retool or rebuild that we discussed. And just going over it a little bit more, I know we discussed it, how possible it is to rebuild. You know, how, how possible do you think it is to do a complete overhaul of this roster? And that's where the Kimba Walker thing kind of goes hand in hand with this, is the fact that I don't know if you can really overhaul this roster like a lot of people want. You know, I mean, people just don't want the Nick Batum contract. People don't want even the Dwight Howard contract after having a very good statistical year. A lot of people don't want a lot of these contracts. I would argue, you know, Frank Kaminsky could be a guy that's a little intriguing, but it's just because he doesn't have a whole lot of money. You know, people look at his stats, maybe 38% from three last year. He's improved in that regard, and he's not making a whole lot of money. Maybe that's somebody to throw in. Of course, we've discussed Jeremy Lamb, a guy that's become a pretty nice player. Maybe you throw him in. And of course, we've already discussed Kimba Walker. So we'll see if you have to do a retool or if you have to do a rebuild. And if Mitch Kupchak thinks a couple of minor changes here and there can actually call for the Charlotte Hornets to be an eight seed or a seven seed and then perhaps build in the draft and try to get that one star that I'm sure a lot of fans are looking for. Doug, you have some playoff thoughts real quick as the NBA playoffs are going on. I know that you have some playoff thoughts. What would you think of the couple of games that have happened over the weekend? And of course, last night, you do have the Cleveland Cavaliers tying it up against the Indiana Pacers too, too.
1: All right, here we go. Drum roll, please. Here are my NBA playoff thoughts. Yes, I actually had time to watch NBA playoff basketball in between my Westworld season two premiere. My first thought is Jason Tatum tried really hard really, really, really hard to lock up Giannis. Handcuffs, rope, didn't matter. Giannis might lift the Bucks after all. That was an amazing ending to that Bucks celtics game.
0: Uh, it, you look at that, and the Bucs have the most talent on that floor right now with Giannis, just, just almost Giannis in itself, right? I mean, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they're just so young right now. And Tatum's going to be great, but you look at that. That's why I think a lot of people were – feeling iffy about this it's why everybody wanted to play the Boston Celtics it's because the Celtics are dealing with a ton of injuries and the Bucs with Giannis being out there just one of maybe a top five player in the NBA today it's amazing what he's able to do it was the first time in this playoff so
1: far that I've seen the Giannis that I saw maybe in the first half of this season where he would just absolutely not be denied uh, speaking of things I saw, I saw Pascal Siakam and DeLon Wright for Toronto do things athletically last night that I'm I'm certain more than half the Hornets roster could not pull off. Just the
0: the way they were able that's to That's nice make, to have your eighth and ninth guy be able to do that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I mean, they were doing things defensively and offensively just that uh, that I think really sort of signal where this Hornets franchise is really lacking, and that's athleticism.
0: What, what pick was Siakam? Was that a oh late first-round pick? Am I testing your knowledge too much at the top my of my Siakam, My
1: Siakam knowledge. Yeah, your knowledge Siakam is,
0: knowledge. Doesn't everyone have is, a go-to Siakam stat? I think Pascal Siakam was like a late first-round pick, but it was in the 20s.
1: Round one, pick
0: 27 no, there you by go. Toronto. And so DeLon Wright, I know, was also a pick that was pretty late in the draft. And so you're talking about those guys. The bottom line is the point where the overall point is that, yeah, DeLon Wright was 2015's uh, first-round pick for Toronto. He's picked 20. It's amazing the kind of draft production they've had. It's amazing. You look at Jakob Pertl, who was probably a guy that you didn't expect a whole lot of from his first season, but it's a guy that contributes for that Toronto Raptors team. That's why they have the best bench in the NBA, and it's really not even close. You look at when they put that second unit out there, that bench play is able to get them ahead of game so DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry can go sit for a little bit, catch a breather in the regular season, and Fred VanVleet's able to get you a serious consideration for six man of the year. And that might be hurting them a lot more than people think.
1: Now, well, saying all that, they did lose the game. <laughs>
0: they did lose the game. Well, They're so great, and they lost the game.
1: Well, that was, I mean, when Brad Beal caught that sixth foul, I think a lot of people thought it was over for the Wizards, but that just seemed to to fuel them uh, and it just seemed to give them that that bounce that they needed to finish out that game and now it's 2-2 and I know a lot of Toronto fans are having sort of flashbacks to, to two three years ago and they couldn't get out of the first round it looks like it's happening again
0: yeah did you believe in them were you ever naive enough to jump back in I was naive enough I thought this was a different team I thought it was going to be great I thought Toronto had finally moved on and I don't know I am not there yet I mean of course you get a three game uh, you get three games for the Wizards and you have to be worried, but they're going back home. I still feel like this team is different, but perhaps I'm wrong. I mean, I just, maybe I'm naive and blind to what I'm watching in front of my eyes.
1: Well, it, uh, we saw once again, the Toronto team that could not manufacture a shot against really, really tight defense. That's what we saw, you know, three, four years ago when they couldn't get out of the first round and, and now it's happening again. And you just sort of have to question whether uh, they can get anything beyond DeRozan and Lowry going. Abaka missed a few threes. Uh, so you know they they've got to get something going from outside. They've got to hit shots late in games if they, if they're going to pull it out.
0: All right, is that it? Yeah, one more.
1: I got one more. So the Cavs and Pacers probably best game of the night last night. The Cavs were playing chess and the Pacers were playing checkers. Wait, no, they were playing shoots and ladders. Wait, no, they
0: were playing <laughs> shoots and misses. Well, how many more elementary games can we mention? <laughs> ho ho, cherry or something like that. They is that were that playing, they're playing hungry hungry hippos. <laughs> uh Lance
1: was was playing tackle football
0: I don't know So if- is Boyan by the way <laughs> yeah I know. It, it's amazing to see them just they would zoom in on Boyan Bogdanovich and all he's doing is bear hugging LeBron James if you're a Pacers fan and you get upset with any foul call they have then you just have to take a step back and just look into reality because what Boyan is doing is illegal in 10 states here in the United States
1: yes I, I don't know what was more confusing though Walker the the Westworld season two premiere I have no idea what happened in that episode or <laughs> the end of that Pacers-Cavs game. No idea how or why that game ended the way it did in the in the foul call that went against. I mean, Chris Weber had sold me that it was going to be a technical foul on Jeff Green. I, I, I believed it. And then, Chris Weber
0: catching a lot of heat for that. Yeah, I know.
1: Well, because they're they are the ones that are supposed to tell us what happened and they they couldn't tell us what happened. And we had to hear it from from the guy in Secaucus like <laughs> 10 minutes later. How does a game end and we just have no idea what happened?
0: Yeah, I know Chris Webber is catching a lot of heat for that. But yeah, I, I watched that game as well. San uh, Cleveland and Indiana. Indiana just didn't have a shot at the I mean, they had a shot, but then you just saw what they were doing in their game planning. And LeBron James was able to take over. That layup that put it up of, what was it, 101 to 95, I believe.
1: Well, that was it. And that's why I say they were playing chess because they went to Kyle Korver on the possession before and ran him ran him off the pin down. And they they tried to do the, the same thing again, or, or that was the decoy. And the Pacers put three guys over there to stop Korver, who was just absolute flames. And that allowed lebron james to get the one-on-one with bogdanovich and that's that's just no it's unfair no contest
0: i know people are actually kind of raving bogdanovich for his defense which kind of makes me laugh and now and people are saying bogdanovich wasn't able to get on the court at first because of his defense but now he's actually been pretty competent i'm not i won't disagree with him being competent but i just laugh at that whole time if you're if you're watching this Cavs and pacers series please watch bogdanovich on lebron and just look away from the ball every so often because he is bear-hugging him down in the post. And you have your Lance tactics, and that's always fun to watch, and I know that'll get some attention. But Boyan, I don't know if he's getting to LeBron's head because LeBron's still being the best player in basketball, but it's still funny.
1: Well, Boyan is trying to soften him up or or get him agitated, and then when the the end of the game when they do put Lance on LeBron, Lance is – I mean, he just wants LeBron to do something. You know, he's just trying to bait him so hard – and and LeBron got the one technical and then stopped just short of getting that second technical. Uh, he's a better man than I am because it was <laughs> what Lance was doing was... You was saw, great.
0: did you hear Mike Breen's comment during the game on Lance Stevenson trying to get LeBron to be engaged in trash talk? Lance Stevenson said that the only comment LeBron has given him back in response to trash talk is, what the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> The only thing LeBron said to Lance. What is wrong with you? I, that, that's the only thing that he'll respond to Lance. And you see him trying to do some of that stuff, and LeBron will give you a smirk, which is part for Lance, part for the cameras, just to let everybody know I'm good on this. It's I, not going to get in my head, but just funny to see. I know a lot of
1: fans don't like Lance,
0: but I love Lance. I oh, love I, the
1: ultra competitive, weird guy. I loved MetaWorld Peace. Uh, Lance I'm is. I'm too sexy
0: for my cat. It's the second that's, coming. That's the best quote. That's the best quote from Meta World Peace. Now, I love Lance Stevenson, too. It's hard to say that, I guess, if you're listening to this podcast in particular because it was a failed experiment with Lance Stevenson here in Charlotte. But as long as he's in Indiana, as long as he's in the Indiana organization, it seems like some good basketball is able to be played by Lance stevenson all right that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast for the next three weeks again we'll go through the roster and give our player evaluations and who better to start with than kimball walker we'll talk about his future we'll try to divide it up talk about a little bit of each player's past the present what you can expect from them now and the future and their future with the team what you can expect from them as a full evaluation goes so thanks again for joining us here at lockdown hornets we'll talk to you again tomorrow